Welcome to Fuel for Life. I'm Dan Steep, and this podcast is being brought to you by New Beginnings Ministries from Marysville, Ohio, United States. The gospel message is so simple a child can understand it. Jesus came to earth and cut through dead religion with a simple, powerful message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yet the Apostle Paul spoke of in Ephesians the unsearchable riches of Christ. So receiving the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ is as simple as A, B, C. Well, let's begin mining these unsearchable riches of Christ for the keys to the abundant life that Jesus paid for and promised to us in John 10.10. Last week, I shared with you about God's forgiveness of me. His forgiveness of toward us. Well, this week I want to talk to you about my forgiveness of others. It's one thing to receive God's forgiveness. It's quite another thing to turn around and exemplify that kind of grace and forgiveness toward others, toward even God, and what most people find to be the most difficult one, even the forgiveness of ourselves. Well, let's talk about what forgiveness is and isn't. It, it may help us as we really begin to wrestle with and come to the place of offering forgiveness to the person who really needs to be forgiven, whether that's, like I said, myself, someone else, or, or even to God himself, because many times people hold grudges and bitterness and resentment toward God. But let's consider about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Whoever said forgive and forget, I don't know, but it's not scripture for sure. You don't have to forget in order to forgive. But it's a powerful thing when you have truly forgiven someone from your heart, how you don't forget, but it, when you remember, it doesn't have the power over you that it once had. So forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not condoning. It's not saying that what happened is okay. Forgiveness is not excusing. It's not making excuse for the one who offended or hurt, or wounded you. And forgiveness also is not accepting it in terms of saying, well, I guess I deserved it. None of those things are forgiveness. Unforgiveness is really this. This is my definition of unforgiveness. It's serving someone else's sentence in a jail cell of bitterness. Unforgiveness is serving someone else's sentence in a jail cell of bitterness. So here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is choosing to set yourself and the offender free. It's choosing to set yourself and the offender free. And we do that when we forgive others ourselves, and even in some instances, God. 
Well, I've, I've often said that forgiveness is a tool. It's one of many tools in the toolkit of the believer. We have this ongoing toolkit in which we pack things away that help us to overcome and to live a, a life of victory in Christ Jesus. There's a, a couple of scriptures that I want to share with you. The first one is uh, actually a very common scripture to many people. Uh, it's the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6, verses 9 to 15. I'm going to be reading this to you from the New Living Translation. Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And here's one of the money verses in verse 12. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And here's the money verses, verses 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. It doesn't get any plainer than that. It doesn't get any more real than that. I think it's really significant that in this Lord's Prayer, this is the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray in response to them asking him if he would please teach them to pray. And when they asked him to teach them to pray, this is the prayer, this is the model prayer that he laid out for them. And three of the verses in this prayer, well, really just the, the one verse, verse 12, includes asking forgiveness for our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then when the prayer ends, Jesus tacks on, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So it seems pretty clear to me that forgiving others is a critical part of our journey in faith in following Jesus. And he lays it out there just as clearly as you possibly can. Actually, you and I, we, we limit how much God can forgive us by how much we are willing to forgive others. Now, I don't know about you, but that tells me that I better get busy forgiving. I need to make sure that the, the slate is clean and there's no unforgiveness lurking in my life if for no other reason than because I need God's forgiveness in my life. And I don't want to be the limiting factor that would cause him to not forgive me because I wasn't willing to forgive others. So again, it seems really critical to me that in this prayer, 
that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he included seeking forgiveness from God and for the grace to forgive those who sin against us. Now, there's another scripture that I want to share with you. It's a little bit longer, but it's really important. And I I can't talk about forgiveness without sharing this passage of scripture. It comes from Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Again, I read it from the New Living Translation. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And he went on to tell this parable. He said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And they went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Now here's the money verse, verse 35. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow, what a story. If that doesn't highlight the importance of forgiveness, I don't know what does. Jesus made it really clear in his reply in verse 22 that we're not to forgive seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, an unending amount of forgiveness. Unlimited forgiveness. Why did Jesus say that? Because you and I cannot afford to live in unforgiveness. I can't afford it. Because if, if I withhold forgiveness from others, then I'm actually withholding God's forgiveness from me. Just like the story in this, in this passage of Scripture. 
when I fail to forgive others, I limit or even block God's forgiveness toward me. This is a powerful story, a powerful lesson. It's unbelievable to me when I think about it on the surface that this man could be forgiven millions of dollars and then so quickly go from being forgiven of millions of dollars to failing to forgive a far lesser debt of a few thousand dollars. I read the story and I it's it's incomprehensible to me. But then when I think about life and how we really are, I realize that we do this very same thing all the time. Here we are. God has forgiven us. So I'll talk about myself. I'm a born-again Christian. I walk with a personal faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. That happened when I confessed my sinfulness before God and asked Him to forgive me and to come into my life and make me a new creation. And in that instant, when I prayed that prayer, God wiped out every sin from my ledger. He blotted it out by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the spotless lamb. He cleansed me of mountains of sin in my life. Now, every time from that point forward that I turn around and harbor unforgiveness for someone else because they hurt my feelings or embarrassed me or whatever it is that they did, I'm doing exactly what this, this person did in this story. I'm doing exactly that. I've been forgiven millions of dollars worth of sin, and I'm harboring, I'm withholding forgiveness to someone else for a far lesser amount of sin than what God has already forgiven me for. It's amazing how we have memory loss like that. But there's a there's a, a key in this story, in this passage of scripture that I don't hear many people talking about, but I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on it with you for a mo- for a moment. Because I think that uh, for probably the majority of people, we don't really recognize what a supernatural act forgiveness is. We don't actually realize that when God forgave us our sins and made us a new creation in Christ, that was a supernatural act. It was a miracle. And actually, every time you and I participate in forgiveness, in forgiving others, there's a very supernatural act that takes place. Because when I forgive you for hurting me or wounding me or offending me, I'm actually releasing myself from you because now I'm not stuck harboring and nursing this bitterness and resentment and offense every day of my life. And also when I forgive you, I'm releasing grace towards you 
And there's even another aspect of this supernatural forgiveness that I'm going to talk about. And it says here, in verse 34, Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. When you and I harbor unforgiveness toward another, we place ourselves in a prison cell of torment and of torture. The King James says, uh, he, he, he tell, the angry king tells them to turn this man over to the torturers or the tormentors until his debt is paid. So there's a principle here that takes place, believe it or not. It's, it's a principle of torment. It's that when you and I refuse to forgive others, we open ourselves up to tormenting spirits. See, we may not be locked in a literal jail cell to be tortured, but we are in a spiritual cell, in an emotional cell, and we're being tormented. There are these tormenting spirits that are released upon us until the debt of forgiveness is paid. And these tormentors, they can take many different forms. It can be financial torment. It can be emotional torment. It can even be physical torment. And this is a story that I always tell when I, I talk about this passage of Scripture with people. This is a true story. Uh, it was a Sunday morning, and I was ministering. And at a certain point, uh, a lady in our church who is very prophetically gifted, she shared with me, she probably passed me a note, and said, there's someone here today with pain in their shoulder, with shoulder problems, and, and God wants to heal it. Now, I don't know if, if, if you know, if, if you could put yourself in my position for a moment. Uh, I've never really, like, called out something like that by faith. Uh, you're definitely uh, putting yourself on the spot, but not really. If it's God, you're really putting him on the spot, and he always comes through. But in my flesh, I'm like, wow, this is big. If 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 nobody comes forward, then I look foolish. But, you know, I knew that this lady heard from the Lord, and so I, I called it out. And there was a young man who came forward to be ministered to with pain in his shoulder. And, and again, as I was talking with him, um, this lady, uh, she whispered in my ear, and she said, ask him if he has un any unforgiveness in his life. So I asked him the question, and he began to tell me this story about him and his father and what had happened and the pain and, and how he has harbored unforgiveness uh, since then and how their relationship ha has really been, been fragmented. fragmented. And, and so he, he poured all that out to me, and so I led him through the process of forgiveness. And at the end of that process of forgiveness, after, you know, and I just had him repeat these things after me. We got to the end after he had chosen to forgive his father and to set him free and to set himself free. Then, then the final step is I talked to him about this passage of scripture that you and I are talking about right now. And then I, and I, and I share with him that. These tormenting spirits have legal access to be there until the debt of forgiveness is paid. 
And you can be experiencing torment. And, you know, if you're in Christian circles, you know, you'll hear people, they'll pray, they'll fast, they'll rebuke the devil, they'll, they'll go into spiritual warfare, they'll, they'll do all these sorts of things, it, 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 and it doesn't do any good if you're harboring unforgiveness in your life. Because these things God is allowing to be there until the debt of forgiveness is paid. So after I talked to him about this, <clears throat> I led him through a simple prayer. And it went something like this. I just said, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, according to your word, the debt of forgiveness has been paid. Now I humbly ask you to release and remove any and all tormenting spirits that may be at play in my life as a result of unforgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayed that prayer. He repeated it after me. Boom. As soon as the prayer was complete, he moved his shoulder around, and the shoulder pain was gone. Now, if you don't understand the concept of unforgiveness and what a major thing that it is in people's lives, how it, it keeps people in, literally, if you could see it visually, you'd see probably nine out of 10 people out in public walking around in a, in a jail cell of unforgiveness. And people have no idea how much freedom can be brought into their lives simply by doing what God's word says and forgiving those who have sinned against us. Just like the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. <clears throat> True story. The guy was set free. Can you imagine if, if you don't understand the concept of forgiveness, uh, you could try to pray for healing. Uh, you, you could go into a season of fasting and prayer. You could, you could try to re rebuke uh, a demon. There's all sorts of things that people can get into with no fruit, because those things were there by legal right until the debt of forgiveness was paid. Well, I talked a lot about forgiveness, but I'm really not quite done. <clears throat> Let's kick this thing around a little bit more. You know, faith is the key to growth in the life of the Christ follower. If you, if you hang around in Christ for long, you realize that you know, it, mountains only move through faith, and healing occurs through faith, and spiritual gifts are activated through faith, and people will only obey the commands of Christ, the promptings of Christ, to the extent that they have faith. And what happens when we fail to forgive is that faith is held hostage by unforgiveness in a person's heart. And unforgiveness harbors resentment. And Christ wants to give abundant life. I, I've shared John 10.10 10 with you um, at the beginning of the, of the podcast, and Satan wants to destroy it. I'll, I'll just repeat it again. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they would have life and have it abundantly. So one tool that Satan uses to keep people in bondage is, is resentment. It, it's this unforgiveness. Resentment means that we hold grudges and we refuse to forgive those who have wronged us. 
And then this resentment then really just blocks the flow of God's peace and joy in our lives. If I did, took a survey and asked any people, how many people want to have peace and joy in their lives? Everybody would put their hands up. Everybody would say yes. But resentment causes bitterness and anger to grow in our hearts. It controls our attitudes and our actions by making us react to people and situations out of our past hurts rather than with freedom and love. And some people think that they're punishing someone else by refusing to forgive them. But in reality, the one who suffers most is the one who fails to forgive. Before we can allow God to take us through the process of true forgiveness, we have to first look within ourselves and ask God to reveal to us any, any forgiveness that we might be withholding, either knowingly or unknowingly, towards someone else. And here's some questions that you can ask yourself to, to try to discover if there's any unforgiveness lodged in your heart. Uh, one, does remembering a particular hurtful event trigger a strong emotional reaction? Does the stress of remembering hurtful events trigger physical reactions or discomfort? Does the painful experience bring to mind anything for which God can be praised? Can the offending party be, party be thought of with a sincere wish that good things will happen in his or her life? Do you have a complete sense that forgiveness really has been accomplished? Is this forgiveness producing positive results in your life? In other words, lingering unforgiveness results in insecurity, suspicion, criticism, and an inability to be at peace. So a key element of true forgiveness involves releasing all the painful emotions associated with an event to the Lord. That means we have to go back. We go back to release all the hurt and pain and bitterness, all those things, to the cross of Christ. Now, that's really a key, a key aspect of what I do when I walk people through the process of forgiveness. We, we look at, we, we list all the emotions that we felt, were felt when a person was hurt. And then one by one, we just begin to let them go and place them at the cross. We ask God to forgive us. We choose to forgive others and set them free. And we ask God to remove and release any tormenting spirits that might be at play in our lives. Well, listen. I want you to be free. Jesus paid for you to be free. That freedom starts with receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let Him forgive you the mountain of sin in your life. Simply admit that you've sinned, believe that Jesus can save you, and confess Him as your Lord. I have a prayer I want to pray with you. I want you to repeat this prayer after me, and you can receive that forgiveness in your life. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins and arose from the grave. Just repeat these words after me. I now turn from my sins and invite you into my life. I receive you as my personal Savior and follow you as my Lord. Amen. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you called on the name of the Lord in that prayer, and we know that God doesn't lie, then you are saved. Again, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You're my new brother or sister in Christ. And I'm praying for you. Well, listen, look for Fuel for Life, um, the Fuel for Life podcast next Tuesday.
Soon we'll have a new website up and we'll be better able to resource you for the journey into the abundant life. And you'll be able to see how God is using this ministry to reach a million souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Until next week, remember, God's not mad. He loves you. And so do I.